association with the Whale Yutani Bulletin and SciFi.com, this is Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast. We are the only exclusively alien podcast of its kind, with your hosts, J.M. Prater and Peter Hay. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. And all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all of that goodbye. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Fucking A. Thank you, everybody, for joining Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. This is episode 25. Uh, I am your host, Jamie, and this is... Pete, what's up, everyone? And we are talking about Alien 3, um, from kind of when we first heard about it to uh, the build-up to seeing it to kind of what went into it and the development hell is kind of uh, synonymous in Hollywood as kind of being the film that went that kind of was the, the, the poster child for how you don't make films. Um, so today we have with us Bill Robbie, uh, who's, who's the founder and admin or yeah, founder and admin of, uh, Wayland Utani Bulletin. Thanks for being here, Bill. Of course. And, uh, we have Amber here as well. Amber's another admin from the Wayland Utani Bulletin. It's a, a group that we're partnered with, um, a great group of many different, <clears throat> pardon me, many different people from many different backgrounds who... Just talk their love of aliens, sometimes predator. I don't listen to that. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I well, thought. Thanks for having me. Glad absolutely. To be here. Thanks for coming on. It's going to be really exciting. We kind of had a, a hiccup yesterday with the show that we were recording, but it's going to be even better when we go again. But I, I love Alien Three. I have loved it since I saw it. But I'll get into that. And uh, we're going to first start with you, Amber, and find out kind of how you heard about it and were you a fan before of the Alien series and kind of. And then we'll just kind of go from Amber to you to Peter to me. All right. Well, uh, gosh, I'm probably, I'm afraid I'm going to date myself and say I'm the oldest one here, but I was actually a, a senior in high school when it came out. And I, I was so excited because I, in 1986, when Aliens came out, I didn't actually see that in the theaters. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, an alien, of course, I was really young, but still, this is the moment I saw it, I absolutely loved it. And then Aliens, I was so excited when I finally got to see it, and and um, it just I was just so excited about it, being able to see what you know. Oh my gosh, I'm going to go see this in the theaters! I am so excited about it. And just the you know now I think it's a little bit different experience that you you know there's so much chatter about a movie before it comes out. But at the time, I mean, even with Aliens, there was a couple magazine articles, and I remember seeing the Scholastic, you know, in school, and there was, like, a picture of the, the Queen Alien in a Scholastic magazine, and be like, oh, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> and so it was, I know, so it was, like, in magazines, and a little bit, like, on, like, e, you know, not even e-news, but, like, there'd be some of the, the movie chat evening programs and things like that that they'd be talking about it. And I was watching interviews with Sigourney Weaver and her talking about how this was a return to like, you know, it wasn't going to be the guns blazing army action film, you know, talking about the differences that were, were going to be between this film and aliens mm -hmm. and having it be more akin to how alien was, how there were no weapons and it was bleak and, you know, the, the, just the whole mood being set. And I was really excited about that because I loved alien for how it was. I loved aliens for how it was. And this 
was going to be like a continuation, you know, more Ripley's story and seemed like a story that she was more comfortable in than the one with the guns, which as was in Aliens. Yeah. And so that's my experience of it. I was really, really excited about it, it coming out. But it there's so much more. I mean, you become almost saturated with what a movie's about almost so way to its detriment nowadays that you know so much about it but as far as the production problems i really wasn't seeing a lot of that that was not my experience being aware of like how many changes to the script and and the you know directors and and all those things i was just excited about <clears throat> amber uh, <laughs> oh damn it well we'll get her back oh yeah we lost the call hold on oh man how much how much did we lose not much not much Okay. Um, okay, so you're talking about how you hadn't heard um, any of the kind of behind the scenes stuff. You're just excited about the movie. Uh oh. Just excited about the movie. I just saw what was like on the what would be like PM magazine and things like that. Yeah. Still there. Yeah. Okay. We're here. Um, yeah. So I didn't see. I didn't know until after all of the the production issues. The, <laughs> we keep losing you, Amber. And, and and such that were going on behind the scenes about it. So I was seeing interviews. Amber, stop cloaking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm using the trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going in and out, unfortunately, because oh, you're you're telling you you have some great info there. Oh shoot. Okay. So how old were you, Bill, when you first saw Alien 3? Did you see it in the theater? You, I gotta do math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> Alien 3 came out in 92. Um, so I was I was 15. I was 15. Okay. Did you see uh, it in the theater? Of course, dude. Now, much like... Keep losing <laughs> Much like Amber, um, you know, after being so young when Alien came out and then Aliens, now we're in the age bracket where. Uh, yeah, I'm talking to Olivia and Carlos Skyping. I, I was just oh, going, no, but I was catching it. I was just Skype. She's in Florida. It's kind of down there, so I was just Skyping with her. I have to watch my car because I'm using reception. So yep, I'll be right. Yep. Oh, cool. <laughs> In there, Amber. <laughs> the Benny Hill theme song. Yeah, this is gonna be a great. It's gonna be a hilarious episode. <clears throat> I'm loving this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sorry about that, Bill. That's oh, all good. Um, so yeah, much like Amber's situation and probably yours too, we we're in the age bracket now where we were old enough to uh, oh, she's starting a car and everything. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We're going for a ride, guys. <laughs> it was basically in the same the same situation as Amber. Um, after Alien and Aliens came out, we we were so young that you know we really didn't get to fully experience it in the theaters. I didn't anyway. Yeah. And then when Alien Three started to get teased, you know, in the back of um, comics and in magazines, mm -hmm. like Amber said, there was a few articles in uh, some magazines because there was no social media back then. Mm -hmm. And you saw 
Sigourney with the shaved head and, you know, your interest is just peaked because you're already, we're already fanboys and girls of the other two films. So now what do we do? Like, we gotta, we gotta find out what this is about. And they, they can't, (laughs) you remember the teaser, um, with earth? Do you remember that? I do. I do remember that was a big, big, you know, seeing that and going, Oh my God, this is going to be coming to earth. And this is, you know, now she'll finally, you know, what is, how is that going to be? Are Hicks and Newt, and are they all going to be back? And and then not really seeing a lot of them and thinking, oh, what's yeah, going they, on? They right? didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody knew what was happening at the time. Which I'm cu- really curious as to what scripts you have, JM. I have, mine is dated here, December 18th, 1990. And, of course, it's got that big official stamp on it. It says, notice this script and its contents are confidential in capital letters. <laughs> it is not to be reproduced or Xerox without the express permission of 20th Century Fox. Yeah. This, this script I found in, now, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a comic book geek, so... Back in the day, we didn't have huge comic book conventions or mega cons, as I like to call them. Mm-hmm. Back then, we used to have con- Amber can can testify. Hold on, we used to have conventions in like the basements of like moose lodges. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it smelled like must and like bo. Yeah. Oh, so God. I found this script from this dude in a corner. Like he was like, "Yeah, I got this from uh, my cousin, blah blah." <laughs> and, <laughs> and here oh. I am, wide-eyed teenager, alien fan. Like, oh my God, how much? Take all my money, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so here it is now, twenty-six years later. Don't ask me to to tell you what's in this versus the movie. I don't remember anymore. Yeah, I read this so long ago. But there, there. I mean, I was I wanted to get this read before I got back from um the wedding, but uh time has been crunched. So, but it's here. It's here. If we if we have to thumb through it and uh, find something in particular, we could do it that way. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I do. I have three scripts. My script is from uh, the one by William Gibson, one by um, Vincent Ward, and then the the shooting script, which is kind of amalgamation of both of those. So the one that Fincher used, um, very all very different, but you know, uh, they they kind of overlap, and you can kind of see where things like the whole wooden planet monks things kind of turned into. You can kind of see where the final product of the film kind of came out of that. But um, yeah, uh, but I'll get into that a little bit later. But what about you, Peter? When did you first uh, kind of engage Alien Three? Um, <clears throat> I mean, Alien has been in my life uh, since I was little. My mom always had it on Direct TV back way back in the day. I know I'm not old, but I think I've earned the right to say that. <laughs> but uh... no, you haven't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Nobody here is old, right? I'm not old. No, we're not old. I mean, uh, no. forty feels. Old. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that 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 was always on because it's one of my mom's favorite films, and it wasn't until I was a teenager, I think I was like thirteen or fourteen, and my mom took me to the library, and they used to have like a used book sale, like 
every month or so. And uh, somebody had VHS copies of Aliens and then Alien 3. And I think I got them for like a quarter each. <clears throat> and I just watched them over and over again. But uh, I used to I used to hate Alien 3. I was just like, oh, why did they do this? Oh, man. But uh, every time I watch it now, I just realize how much of a masterpiece it is. In my opinion. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think uh, I... So Amber and Bill, it seems like you guys both saw Alien 3 in theater. Uh, I was 16 at the time, of course, because I turned 16 in March. Um, but the way I was being raised, which was very conservative evangelical, there was like, no way you're not going to see that. Um, <laughs> so, of course, it whet my appetite, uh, having been uh, introduced to aliens on television by my dad. Um, and seeing, I remember seeing that first scene, it was a trailer, it was a TV preview for them showing aliens that night on, on Channel 11, in, or no, on Channel 32, which is Fox in Chicago, and seeing Ripley with that the incinerator going after the eggs. And I was watching it with my dad and I said, what is that? He goes, do you want to see that? I said, yeah. <laughs> and that, at that Don't point, your mom. yeah, well, and then my <laughs> mom was like, honey, he can't see that. Um, and, that and that year was, so it came out in 86. So that was probably 88, a couple years later when they put it on TV, of course, heavily edited. And then by the time I had heard about uh, Alien 3 coming out and much like you guys saw a trailer, heard it, heard it was going to be, you know, on Earth, um, seeing Sigourney Weaver with a shaved head. I mean, at that point, I just was, like, over it. And then, of course, because they wouldn't let me see it. Um, uh, and it wasn't just my parents. It was the church I was being raised in. They wouldn't let me. It's a long story. Anyways, um, so I just had to see this movie. And uh, friends of mine who were mostly adults at that time were would go to the movies. Like, how was it? How was it? They're like, oh, it was horrible. It's like, oh. Um, <laughs> no. I know, but I still really wanted to see it. So then finally, a year later, after it came out on video, and uh, I was on a hunting trip with my dad and his, some, and his kind of, some of his friends, they rented the, deep, the, the VHS and we watched it and my mind was blown. Um, and I, I did, I loved it. I, I, and I know a lot of people, a lot, a lot of the criticism is, um, you know, like, oh, they kill off Newton Hicks. And but I loved I loved everything that that kind of nihilism that they brought to it. I loved that it it was quiet. It was a quiet film, um, much like the original Alien. It just it had this pace and tone about it that was really uh, European, um, and um, it was it was kind of a slap in the face. But I felt like that's how it was supposed to be. Like this isn't going to be a happy ending for for Ripley. So that's kind of my story. Um, was that your yeah, first Amber for you? Was that your your first when you first saw the film? Were, was it a did you have a positive reaction to it? I did actually. I mean, I was so so excited going into it, and I did. You know that it was a lot that you know they killed off Newton Hicks, and it was like, oh my gosh, you know. And then that she had to watch, you know, the the whole just there was so much uh, distrust and so much. Uh, I, I just keep referring back to the tone and it was like there's you know she's not young like she was in the first one and she knows what to expect from this and it's like seeing everything taken away from her in the same way that these people are in this prison you know this, this prison uh, area 
build our, I, can't, I don't want to say camp, but in this, I mean, they have everything taken away from them. It's such a bleak and such a hopeless atmosphere to the whole thing. And I just think that that just mirrored what would have been happening to her. You know, she went, went out in space, came back with her whole life gone, her daughter gone, everything gone. Had a chance for maybe redemption, and she goes for it that maybe she could come back to a life gets another family and then has it taken away mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Here she is in a horrible situation. You know, and that's why I, the only part that I kind of was like, uh, was the whole relationship with, um, uh, Clemens. Yeah. I was like, yeah. that kind of, I just felt that that was superfluous. I just didn't see that from her. Everything else though was exactly as I would expected Ripley to behave in that situation. And the, the um you know i've read you know since did a lot of reading about the different permutations of the script and the different things that sigourney wanted to see happen with her character and what ended up actually happening and such and i i, you know, I do like the director's cut better now that i've seen that there's mm-hmm. certain parts that i think you know that and we can talk about it later but certain parts i think actually worked fine in the theatrical version that was released but i left there going wow i mean still feeling like okay this letdown you would feel when you're like, okay, it's over. The arc of that story is done. She's dead. She's it's done. Yeah. And, you know that that kind of that was a downer, I guess, if you want to say, you know, a, a, put a, a word on it. But as far as how it happened and how I, you know, expected Sigourney or Ripley would go out, I was really I was happy with it. It was a different movie, I think. And I think maybe some. I mean, there were issues and such with that film as far as with the. the production but i think if you followed the arc from the beginning and then that if you went in expecting to see aliens of course you were going to be hugely disappointed yes but when you went in there looking at a character and looking at a a how her you know watching her mature with this i think you know i I may be getting ahead in like our discussion but just some of the things that she said that were so that you know she's so accepting of like when she's looking for it in the basement you know quote unquote the basement and Mm -hmm. says even the quote of "I'm going to look for it," oh, I'm going to the basement. I mean, so she's just going to go meet her fate. She's yeah. just done. Yeah. And I think it was just—that's what I. I mean, very strong, but still, okay. This is it. This is—I fought. I—I fought it. I fought it again, and now it's beating me. Now I am it. And it was just—you know—when she says it's just been a part of her life for so long, I don't remember anything else. Yeah, I mean, you just felt that was like, oh, right in the field. Yeah, like it is. That's been her whole life. It took away everything that was her life. Yeah, and I, I, on that for that type of movie, I, you know, I appreciate you saying like almost European. There was so much uh, tone and atmosphere, and just you know, I loved it. I really, really did. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. And for you, Bill, did you have a similar reaction? Did you love it right away? Uh, I did. First, I I loved. Uh, let me just say that I loved hearing everybody when they talk about it, and they talk about it with with passion. I love that. I always loved Alien Three. I loved it from the get go. Yes, it's it's sad, but that's part of what makes this such a special movie for me. Because to me, it's the end of of the uh, the trilogy is what I call it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and I, I I get it. A lot of people, uh, Peter and Charles, one of the admins in uh, Whaling Tony Bolton, you know, you guys say that, uh, you know, when you first watched it, 
you were bombed out because you know they they killed off Hicks and Newt right away. And I get that, like a yeah. lot of people were bombed about that. But what this what makes this a trilogy for me is Ripley and Ripley. Yeah. It brought back Ripley and deified her in this story arc. She loses everything, but in the, the loss of everything, she saves the universe. Mm -hmm. She is a messiah of sorts, you know? Um, there's a lot of religious undertones to oh, yeah. Alien 3. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned Definitely. before, Amber, that the scene with uh, Clemens and Ripley when they had that little... <laughs> that was that seemed natural to me i was just like oh, oh well, i mean they need they needed to do it they needed to do it they needed to do it you know yeah i mean she time. she must have been so upset after hicks got smashed she's like oh, yeah. i didn't even get to do anything <laughs> <laughs> but uh no it, that scene if now i might be wrong and i'm God knows if I'm wrong, I'm going to get a million messages in Wayland County Bulletin when, when somebody <laughs> listens to this. But um, I think in that scene, in the background, there's there's a, a, a piece of set that they used in Alien Resurrection also. I, I think it's like, a, it's like a crucifix on like a circle. So ah. I'm, I'm putting oh, it out there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm not sure. I'm not a hundred percent, but I think that they used that piece, that piece of this set. Anyway, just weird little something. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I loved. I loved it. I. I and it, it. It was sad. It's a very sad movie. But at the end of the day, it, it's. It's. It's bringing back Ripley as the heroine. And the main character of this, it was always ever about Ripley, and that just solidified it. You know, Alien Three solidified it with all the problems that it had in production and pre-production and everything else. To me, it's still a masterpiece. Definitely. <clears throat> and what surprises me the most is how much David Fincher dislikes it, and how little he wanted to do with the assembly cut. I have not, not seen just, a bad film from it. David Fincher. Yeah, but like he the redhead stepchild. He didn't disown it because he didn't like what he did. He disowned it because of how it happened, I think, and the studio involvement and how he was kind of arm wrestled. Uh, I mean, I just that that article that was just uh, kind of reposted, even though it's from 2012, but it was from an earlier interview right after the movie. Uh, Fincher talks about how he was forced to kind of shoot that ending with Ripley with the thing bursting out of her chest. It's not what he wanted to do. Um, uh, so I he think that... Bullied. What? He was bullied. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I would feel yeah. the same way. Like, if I, if I had, a, uh, if I had a, a project I was working on and someone's bullying me to do something that I don't want to do, and then it gets trash, I mean, yeah, I don't want to mess with it again. I'm like, no, I'm done. Like, no, like, that was a part yeah. of my life that I'll never get back again. But I, I hope he understands or, or hears from people... How how important his film is to the the trilogy. I hope so. I mean, I, I mean, it's I, the completion of the story. Yeah. Absolutely, and I I feel that sadness too. Like even um talking about like the beginning and kind of like Peter mentioned, just like 
the killing off Newt's, Newt's, Newt, Newt and Hicks, and uh, I, I felt sadness about that, too. I wasn't angry about it, and I think, um, and I, I, I did really love Alien 3 the most, or not the most, but, well, actually, I loved it the most for a long, long time in terms of the trilogy, but I just felt like this is real life. Nothing goes well, and I even, now, I know this is kind of speculation on my part, but the idea that, I mean, really, it seemed like the company ejected her cryotube, um, they kind of engineered all this. They're like, we're going to fuck this woman over. Um, this whistleblower, we're tired of her. Um, so let's eject her. Let's reject her. She, now she's impregnated. We're going to eject her. Um, and she's going to bring um, this creature to um, to this planet. And that's going to be the end of her. Um, and we'll, we'll harvest it and that'll be it. Um, and it's just kind of, just really, I feel like you're really deep inside Ripley. Her sadness in the beginning and her her anguish at the loss of, of Newt, really, more than Hicks. Um, and then all of a sudden you see her kind of resolve and then get angry and then just feel like, then she's just in despair. She's like, I'm done. I'm done with this. You know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty sad journey for her. Yeah. Yeah, in the end, she's in complete control. She controls everything in the end and she yeah. makes the, the the ultimate sacrifice. It's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I read in that article too about how um in the original the original plan for that conversation when um Wayland Bishop is it's telling her, you know, we can we'll basically we'll we'll save you, come and we're gonna learn from it and we'll get you know, offering her that opportunity to, to come back and still be okay out of this, have gone through all this and still be okay. And um the article read that there was originally supposed to be a much longer pause where she's actually tempted but then makes the choice to not. And again, I did read also that he didn't want it to burst from her chest. He wanted more of a stigmata effect to have like the blood stain maybe go on her chest, that it's coming out and then she still, you know, fall into the, the um, mm. core. But um, that there was been a, it's been more of a, I think I want to say 40 second pause to give the audience the impression that she really is considering it, like that maybe after all this, there could still be a happy ending for me, but then realizing, no, there is no, you know, this is how, I like to say, she saves, deifies herself. She makes that choice. She more than deifies, she martyrs herself. She's like, yeah. I have the opportunity. Yeah. Maybe they could save me. Maybe there is that chance. Still putting the trust and faith in the company, which is a, as members of the Wayland Newtime, bulletin you know we're always trying to put our faith in the company <laughs> yeah but still trying to maybe there is some saving for me but then no it's it's i made this choice and and she mar and and fall you know steps back and falls into the without the whole fanfare of it bursting out and and i see that there were you know even a chance to save that by having her grab onto it and hold onto it so it doesn't get away you know and and take it to her chest but um, so it's that's just another layer to it. It's like those are the things that it's like, oh, it's too bad that 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 would have meant so much more to me, to maybe other people who watched it like-minded, but maybe not someone who's looking at it to be something different, you know, different outcome. But I appreciate what Bill said. There, there's no happy ending. There's no happy ending for her. She was just there in the novelization, the aliens novelization. There's. It, uh, the foster, I think it's the only one, but the um, mentions when the uh, she's driving the ATC and the, the alien, an alien lands on the top and smashes through the glass. And it, there's a phrase that says that there was no more tricks to pull and no time left to think of any. Hmm. And I feel like that's been such, you know, she was lucky 
and that just you know, brings it back to Alien when she's saying, lucky, lucky, lucky. You know, I, she was just lucky. She's a person just like any of us who just happened to luck out against something that's so powerful and insurmountable, but she was lucky two times, and but not lucky. She couldn't be lucky that third time, and then shows the higher, you know, more savior attitude and, you know, by not being lucky this other time and owning it, she's saving everybody. Yeah. And there's... Yeah, and well, there's there's the idea too of well, Amber's going deep, I'm trying to go deep here. No, that's what I love <laughs> about that. That's what draws me to the Alien series is the depths of kind of the philosophical philosophical ponderings that the the film offers, especially Alien Three, um, because I think oh, yeah. Aliens Aliens seems to be pretty self explanatory. I love the film. There's it's kind of what you see is what you get. Whereas Alien Three, there's this depth to it. Um, there's so much symbolism in the film. It's insane. Absolutely, and then then there's the idea that how how long is Ripley going to do this? And Sigourney Weaver said this herself: she's going to keep waking up in these places, saying, "Oh, here's the alien again. I'm going to battle it." I mean, she can only do that for so long. And I think, uh, uh, Alien Three just felt like the logical conclusion. As sad as it was, as as uh, kind of rough as it was, I I just felt like it. I, I. I don't think it was supposed to be a happy ending for her, you know? Well, if we can just entirely ignore Resurrection, I'd be happy with that. Well, (laughs) Alien 3 is still the conclusion of Ripley's story, the Ripley that... Oh, no doubt. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I think a logical logical way to continue the series from Alien 3, and I'm not going to mention Resurrection, um, would have been to to develop Morse's character. I thought Morse was awesome. Yeah, and you don't really see too much of him till the end. He just yeah. kinda pops up and he's like, you fuckers. Well but he's kind of <laughs> he's kind of the Morse is kind of the you know, he's the the antagonist. He's antagonizing Ripley the whole time. He doesn't really he doesn't like her. He doesn't believe in her. He doesn't think that she should be there. She's responsible for everything. And then at the end, like there's this kind of bond between them, you know? And um, yeah. becomes almost a disciple. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And as she kind of throws herself, as she kind of yeah, gives herself for the the goodness of humanity, he is left. He's like the Peter, you know, um, to go yeah. and kind of tell her story. I, and actually, I think, um, speaking of resurrection, just a mi- for a minute, just picking up on what you said, Bill, there was um, uh, dialogue that Call had in Resurrection um, where she says, I've read the band histories, and and she talks about Morse and how Morse went on to kind of write about what he saw and what he witnessed, um, and that it was kind of banned. So I, I, I think that that's a, that's a great, that's a great, that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting kind of place to take it if they would have taken it there, you know? Well, the, the Whalen Yutani report is supposed to be written by Morse, no? Um, no, there's uh, excerpts from his fictional book uh, about the dragon, because uh, the book is written in the context of uh, the Wayland Yutani scientists, and it encompasses the entire franchise, from what I understand. Yeah, it has like interviews with him or something. Yeah, because he That's wrote what, a yeah. book, and 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 by the time Resurrection rolls around, it's like banned. Okay. I did not know that actually that he's supposed to have written that. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Um now well, if they ever come out with the edition over here 
you know, a affordable edition, then we'll see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They only, they only have that sideshow, like, $1,000 book or whatever it is. Yeah. They, uh, the standard edition uh, comes out in April, and the 26th, yeah, they, I believe, is when it ships out. Aliens Day? Uh, yes. Cool. I think it's 30 or $40. I have it oh. pre-ordered. Let me check. Okay, that's not terrible. Yeah, I'll, I'll be broke and not eating that entire month. <laughs> but this, the book will feed you more, though, Bill. That's it. More nourishing. Yeah, I I paid. Uh, it was thirty five dollars. Now it's went up to like forty something. Like on Amazon, or just order it? Yeah, yeah, just on Amazon. I'll look for it. Cool. Or find another one of those salesmen in the corner. <laughs> look what I got here for you. <laughs> <laughs> they, did, they did not they didn't even pay us to endorse that <laughs> endorse what we, the book we're selling the book for them over oh. there <laughs> I know <laughs> I got the company I tell you the company's a sickness into endorsing them <laughs> um, but do you guys did you guys read the William G I what, who's the author of the script that you have for Alien 3 Bill uh, this is Walter Hill and David Giller. Oh, okay, so that's probably the fourth version. Or no, no, they wrote the is, this the... is that the shooting script? Is that what you have? Yes. Okay, that's what I have too. Well, one of the three. But did you guys ever, have you ever read the William Gibson version? Where it's, actually, I'm sorry, the Vincent Ward version, where they're on that wooden planet the with the monks? The wooden, I only, I only, I didn't read an entire script. I, I've read bits and pieces of a script. I've never even knew that there was a... An entire script that that was available to read. I might have to hit you up for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, hey. Yeah. I mean, I what I have it's a physical copy, but I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. How do you I feel about that? PDFs. I'm fine. You 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 would have been down with the with the wooden planet. Oh oh, I see. Uh, um, to be honest with you, reading it, uh, it didn't seem plausible. How do you have a wooden planet in space? Um. Mm -hmm. I just didn't – now, if it was just a regular planet and in somehow it was kind of terraformed where it's kind of very industrial, I just – it didn't – it didn't seem plausible. Not just the, the plausibility of a wooden planet. So you have this like out in space, you have these monks living like it's 15, 1550 or something. Uh, right. that, it's too much. Then you kind of scale it back and there's some – if you read on kind of where the – how the alien kind of comes about and then there's i guess there's in one scene there's a monk sitting on the toilet or somewhere and the alien kind of he sees these lips it looks like these lips of this woman and he kisses this woman um but it's obviously the alien it just seemed ridiculous um yeah, yeah. I, I, I i remember that i don't i remember I, seeing this the, the the pictures the drawings the concept drawings of that yeah, and it comes it comes through the toilet and pulls him down through the toilet yes. or something like that. Yes, yeah. Um, and I, the description of the alien was pretty cool. Uh, the description of the planet itself was pretty cool, but it just didn't like it's so wildly different than anything we've seen before. Not that I'm opposed to that, but it's got to work within the world that they set up. Um, mm -hmm. I I just feel like uh, Fincher's version, his his his. Uh, his impressions of that, or his his uh, what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? How he how he um, filtered that that script into his film. I think that makes the most sense. Now maybe I mean it, if they would yeah it, 
it was more plausible to to the world that was already established. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, but yeah, I uh, and and of course I I can't. I'm trying to remember William Gibson's script. Um, that's the one that centers around Hicks and Bishop. Oh yes, I think Union of Progressive Peoples. That was like the Soviet yeah. Union. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Cold War one that Ripley is only like a minor character in. That one was pretty good. Yeah, that's the, I haven't read that one in so long, really, so so long. Um, I, I'd have to read it again. I have to kind of pull them out there in a box in the garage. Um, I can uh, I can send you guys uh, some of the scripts. I have eight of them on my computer. Yeah, actually, oh, wow. we could probably even post them. I'm sure we could probably do that. Yeah, um, I'll put them up on my interested. Google Drive. Um. Oh uh, yeah. Um, some of the other treatments instead of just reading it synopsized kind of then you actually look read them and just the pacing and the the just the different in the different treatments of it instead of just reading someone's interpretation of, of them because i've seen writings on all the versions the wooden planet the people's progressive people's thing all the different permutations and i kind of like how I, I i agree with the the you know not doing the wooden planet, but doing something it's bleak and industrial, which just kind of goes with the whole look of, of the film. The all three films are just that you know bare bones, industrialized look to things. Mm-hmm. And I think the 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 boundary, you know, and it just kind of goes, to, you know, the the um, uh, Nostromo being a boundary vessel and this being terraforming. It just kind of speaks to the whole underlying current of greed that's gone on in all of the companies. At the whole, it's, you know, at this core, it's all about a place where they can make money. And when it fails to make money, then they abandon it. And that, you know, and they abandon the people who are part of it. So it just gives you all this, this feeling of that the disposable way that they look at anybody, you know, human beings. And that's the as being the model of the Wayland County um, corporate uh, plan. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 I mean it's fascinating kind of some of the questions that are still there or or uh, and even just the questions that I have for who Bishop was or who, you know, mm. who that guy is because there's still to this day and I I always assumed that the guy who showed up um to talk to Ripley was a uh, human. Um and then uh 85 hits his ear and you kind of see the blood but I, I question that now that that it wasn't human that it was just another model a better model with maybe red. he was a replicant yeah true true ah, ooh, um I went there I went there I went there I did that <laughs> was there do you guys have a favorite scene in the film uh Dylan's speech. Okay. Oh yeah. Interesting. Okay. That's like the the best one in in all of cinema ever. Oh, but before before we continue that, um, I just want to uh, mention, uh, Amber, you talked about kind of like the issue you might have had with uh, Ripley kind of sleeping with Clemens, um, and I had major issue with that too. And I, um, but this is when I was 16 when I saw the film. So, and, and I remember talking with this friend of mine. Her name was Tamar. She was a big Alien fan. 
Um, uh, and she was like, Whipley wouldn't do that. I was like, I know she wouldn't. Um, that's not right. Um, and I think maybe that w- might have been our puritanical evangelical upbringing saying that. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I just felt like I, I just I never saw that even with Hicks. Um, obviously, there was some attraction there. I just mm-hmm. it seemed so direct. Um, it seemed out of character for her. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, she might be like, what the fuck? Who cares? Like, right. I'm going to. I'm yeah, not gonna, totally- this is this yeah, is probably I one of my last, so I better get me some, you know. Right. Um, Crazy. So, so uh, Bill, you didn't have a problem with it. Peter, did you have a problem with it at all? Uh, to me, it just didn't seem like Ripley. Okay. Uh, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, I mean, I because the scene before she's in the elevator shaft and and they dodge each other's questions and then it's like oh well do you want to fuck basically (laughs) so it to me it just didn't seem like something ripley would do like i'm gonna sleep with this man to get information about his past and offer the same to him it just that moment of tenderness didn't seem like ripley to me at all yeah i mean i still struggle with it a little bit um and I think probably because there was a little bit, there wasn't enough exposition around that. Like I wanted to see them. There was just, I mean, they had that talk, like, and Clemens kind of talks about where he comes from and his license being reduced to a three C or whatever happened. Um, and then how he ended up on the planet. Um, and then she's like, are you attracted to me? And she's very direct about it. And it's a side of Ripley we haven't seen, you know? She's been out there a long time. Yeah, she true. Did it herself. True, true. And I'm not saying, hey, at this point, you know, like I, I understand now as a kind of grown up. Um, I get it. I do. Um, but I, I think as a as a teenager, as a young person, I didn't understand. I'm like, I just think there's there's too much shit for her to be doing. And I think that's the, that's the point. Um, yeah, you're right. That's how I felt when I first. I'm like, what? Wait, what is going? What? What's what's happening here? But then as I got older, and you know live life a little bit i was like fuck yeah dude <laughs> i was i'm pretty song. sure i was like i'm pretty sure i was like 12 or 13 when i saw it the first time so i was like what the hell what is this <laughs> what is this this does not make sense Lucky you 12 or 13 <laughs> <laughs> yeah like 10 years ago do you feel like what were you saying amber Oh, I was gonna say, and maybe I mean, just looking at it from the why would why would you add that to the film? You know, if it doesn't really seem to fit, because it's either to give you in the short period of time that you know Clemens, you know, you won't feel as bad that he's gonna die, right? You know, you don't have that connection to him because you don't have a lot of knowledge of him. So to make him important to the audience, they made him important to her by there now. There's this intimacy between them, that or to show that she's. You know, you know, she's not remain. She's not celibate. She's not, you know, if, if our end end thing here is to deify her and sanctify her, and such, she's flawed even in that because she didn't even keep, you know, she, she didn't even maintain the celibacy. She had to give in to that that human tendency and such. So it's like I I've thought about all the different reasons why to do it, and I just can't wrap my brain around any single one of them. Mm-hmm. It just really, to me, seemed out of, it's like, why? Uh, this is extra. I don't get it. Yeah. I like Clemens. I'm going to feel bad when he, I did feel bad when he 
gets it because it's like, oh gosh, and then you feel bad because now, you know, now that the reveal to her, it really is there. You know in advance, but now she knows, and just that, that oh my God, you know, yeah. feeling that must be pervade, you know, pervading her. It's like I'm still not free of this. You know, I thought, you know, it was going to be okay. Clearly, it's not. So you like you do have that. You have that emotional. She cloaked again. You're still there, Amber? We were just talking about kind of like favorite moments. And, you know, Bill, you said that it was the speech. And for me, really, it's the scene where the alien approaches her in the infirmary. Um, and it was so... Uh, and I've always had problems with the effects of the of the of Alien Three. As much as I love, oh, you mean the, the, C, the CGI scene? You mean? <laughs> well, there was a moment where it's it's it's, it's not CGI actually. It's it's a rod it's, puppet. It's, a rod puppet. it's in, the, in the mat lines. <laughs> um, but that moment that moment where they cut to the the scene of it actually is right next to her, and her Sigourney Weaver's acting, and that moment of sheer terror, like. And it's a moment that I have not seen anyone recreate, and I'm not talking about like, um, like, not trying to recreate that scene with Ripley, of course, but showing real fear, real terror over this creature in the room. But just the way that the way that the uh, the alien, the 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 uh, puppet or the animatronic or whatever they're using is articulated, um, and Sigourney Weaver's reaction, Ripley's reaction to it, it's brilliance. It's just true horror and. She, uh, she plays that scene so magically um the way she can conjure that kind of fear um it's it blows my mind it's the same kind of fear that um lambert conjured in alien that look of yeah. just utter like i mean imagine walking you know waking up at night and this thing is st standing over you i mean that's real fear and uh, oh that yeah, doesn't that did, doesn't happen to you yeah. um i, I have night terrors well, when I, I was younger, I had night terrors. Say at this point that that was total sarcasm. Oh no, I know. <laughs> when I was saying that was CGI, <laughs> I was about to get everybody's feathers in a ruffle. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, actually, I did think because the the um the, the mat lines were so bad for the yeah. for them compositing it in, I thought it was bad CGI as a much younger person mm -hmm. for a long, long time. I thought, my God, that's horrible. Um, but yeah. that was just, it was just horribly put together. And I don't even know how that passed through the studio of that, oh, this is appropriate. It just looks so bad. And I think really that's what gave ADI their uh, kind of the shit people give them today. Uh, <laughs> because the effects look my, my opinion, my opinion, on, I think ADI did a fantastic job in Alien 3. I think yeah, from there, it was just a downward spiral. But I think they, I mean, uh, the smashed up bishop, the, yes. the face hugger. Absolutely. Um, the when uh, Whaley got his ear hit, you know, I mean, they did a, an amazing the costume. Yeah. The, the the dog alien is still one of my favorite uh, interpretations of of Geeker's original. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Geeker's original yeah. is always going to be my favorite, but I, I think it was a it was kind of a happy mistake. And they did use some of Giger's elements um, that some designs that he did and you know was faxing back and forth to ADI. They incorporated some of that stuff, which I think helped make it such a, a cool looking thing. But uh, but yeah, I think ADI did a great job on that. Um, the the whole rod puppet thing and the the mat lines, you know that 
the whole CGI joke about Alien 3. and There is CGI in Alien 3. Yes. There is. Yeah. It's one of the earliest um, yeah. films that used CGI, and mm-hmm. it was to try to get rid of those matte lines Bad. and create shadow effects from the shadow puppet when it was running down the uh, the corridors. And, I mean, yeah, you could tell it's... But what was the other alternative for the quadruped? They it, The only other thing they could do at the time was stop motion. And I think they did a great job with, with, the, uh, with what they had to their... I, I, I think I agree with you in, in kind of... in. In theory, I suppose. I think, but I mean, I think that ADI does phenomenal work. And I was just explaining to, I wrote, someone on um, the Perfect Organism page wrote something derogatory about ADI. And I kind of defended ADI. I said, you know, you have to realize. And actually, Tom Woodruff Jr. had a video. And in the video, he said, you know, we've been given, we've been given shit for many years about our work on the Alien films. And he said, you guys have to understand, people came to us with the des- these designs, and we executed them. That's what we did. Um, and it kind of brought things home for me a little bit. And I was like, I, I understand. Because I-, I gave them shit for a while as well. Did we lose Amber? <laughs> Bill, are you still yeah. there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. Just make sure. Um, but uh, I, my only bone of contention really is I think the people who were doing the compositing, which is kind of out of ADI's hands, didn't do a good job. But my only other, I think my issue with, um, not so much ADI. If you look at, if you look at um, the first Alien, you have Balaji in the suit, um, yeah, and he's tall and he's elongated, and um, that's kind of what the look of the Alien is. But then in Alien Three, they're cutting between this beautiful rod puppet that's terribly com- composited, and then you're cutting between Tom Woodruff Jr., who is bulky, who is short, um, in this suit, and they don't cut well together. Um, and that was my, that's my, really my only bone of contention, um, aside from that. And I think because it takes me out of the experience, um, kind of being a purist a bit, I just don't like being taken out of the experience. It's like, oh, there's this real thin alien running around and it's awesome. Oh, let's cut to this scene where there's this chubby, not, he's not chubby, but he looks chubby in comparison to the rod puppet. And that's just, it, it just, it was glaringly obvious it wasn't the same, the same. I think Fincher realized that. And I think because he realized that, he tried to film it in such a way that you never see Woodruff really in full costume. You kind of see parts of him leaning over the uh, the 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 bulkhead or standing up, and you only see like his upper half. Yeah. Or he comes out of the uh, the in the cafeteria, comes through the you only see his upper half. Like you don't really see him in full. Mm -hmm. I think Fincher tried his best to to hide that fact. You know. Maybe he didn't do the greatest job, but let's remember this was his first feature film. Yes. You know, yeah. I still think it's a masterpiece. I, I, I agree. With you. I really agree. Um, I think it's an absolute masterpiece. I mean, it it's the film that affects me uh, as deeply as Alien affects me. Um, like I don't ponder Aliens very often, philosophically or emotionally, but I ponder Alien Three and I ponder Alien. Um, and I think yes. just because in Alien Three she is that whistleblower, she is that yeah. like. Um, that company person who's like, no, you guys are killing people and you want to kill more and, or your actions are going to kill more people. And I can't let this happen. And um, you'll be surprised to hear that when, when Ross and I get together, we make that jump over the pond and we hang out. The first thing we do is put on alien three, oh, not really? alien, not aliens, alien three. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think there's something, I don't know, certainly the time that I saw the film in my youth, being 16, or I might have almost been 17. Or no, I was 17 by the time I saw the film, because um, I was 16 when it came out. Um, I, it just really affected me in this profound way. Um, especially, again, when it's kind of, oh, no, you can't see it, you can't see it. So it makes it even more like, um, it makes it more uh, enticing to see. Um, and then kind of years later, going to film school and kind of hearing about um, hearing about kind of the, the, the trials and the tribulations and how sets were built and then were struck um, and then things were changed again and again and things were kind of ripped from David Fincher's uh, grasp and they, they wanted him, but they wanted him to listen to them and not do what he wanted to do. Um, it, 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 it kind of took on this cult status, you know? When you watch the movie now and you know all the shit that he endured from from you know Hill and the producers and and you watch the movie and you're like, wow, it's still an amazing film. Yeah. Granted, the, I mean, I can only watch the not the director's cut, the assembly cut now. Oh really? I can only, it's the only one. Yeah, I occasionally oh, like yeah. to go back and watch the dog burster scene because that that was really cool, but. In terms of story, I only do the assembly cut, and for me, that like I, I watch it and I'm like, all the shit that this guy was putting up with, and he still, he must have just sat, sat there and just shook his head yes a lot and just did whatever he wanted to do anyway, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just uh, how old was he at that time? Um... Fincher was probably twenty. He just came off of uh, directing music videos. I'm pretty sure the commercials. Yeah, music videos. Madonna, the one of the Madonna videos. Yeah, the Vogue the video. He did. Yeah. Um, he would have been thirty when that came out. Yeah, around there, I think twenty-seven or thirty, something like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, for him, I mean, and I really, I think for a long time, and I think it's, I and I was talking about this with someone else that the best art comes from struggle. Um, and I really think that that was the case with Alien 3. Alien 3 really shouldn't have been good at all, based off of what we heard, but it, it managed to be amazing. It managed to be uh, a masterpiece, and I think some like the best art comes from that. I mean, Blade Runner is the same thing. Blade Runner was uh, struggle, struggle, struggle to get that film made, and just kind of problems on the set with studio execs and budget and actors and all of these things, um, and uh, similar issues on Alien. Um, similar issues on the first Star Wars film. Um, similar issues on Empire Strikes Back, um, where there's this t intense struggle behind the scenes to get this vision to the, to the screen. Um, and I think it's just a testament to who Fincher is that he produced something that now people kind of laud as masterpiece, you know? Yeah, and he's made several more since. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, you know, he even... It's funny because I've, I've read interviews with Fincher over the years because he's a director that I really loved. Um, and he talks about having, you know, he's had the pleasure of working with Sigourney Weaver. I mean, he talks about working with her, that it was an amazing time for him. So I, I, that's something I think that's interesting that he's kind of taken away from that. Um, but uh, I, it, I think as you kind of move on, obviously we're not talking about Alien Resurrection, but I think kind of what to Fox detriment to the the studio's detriment, which is kind of interesting. Like if you kind of look to see kind of what's going on, like you, 
you have these movies about this company, and then you have this company screwing over the people trying to make these movies. Um, like Alien Resurrection was really a studio-made film. It was made by a studio. It wasn't really made by a director. Even though Jean-Pierre Genet yeah. was there, the studio was directing the picture. Um, there's so many uh, hands in that and that pot that, of course, the movie was garbage. Um, yeah. and, and and it was because Fincher was such a strong auteur and he had such a strong vision, despite him not really having a feature film, because of that. Uh, and Jeunet just wasn't that kind of person. Jeunet wasn't that kind of storyteller. So the film just kind of fell apart. Um, but I, I, yeah, I they, they were trying to stick to the uh, the whole, you know, get a fresh new artistic director. And uh, Jeunet is a very artistic director. It, it just did not, you know, with the studio execs bullying again him around, and that was his first Hollywood film. He he wasn't he didn't stand up to them as much as Fincher did and uh, and his style didn't equate to the the Alien franchise at all. Yeah, you know, it and didn't. and it seemed like Fox wanted because I remember uh, they were looking for directors for Alien Resurrection, um, but Fox wanted like these visual stylists, but that's only you know uh, that's only a part of the equation. Like the the visuals are only. Um, one part of, you know, that's what makes part of what makes alien films great are the visuals, but the story is what makes the alien films great. And Genet wasn't this deep, hard sci-fi storyteller. He just wasn't, he's not that kind of guy. Um, but then oddly enough, of course, Genet then goes on to make one of the best films of his career, Amelie. Um, so he was like, screw it. I'm going to make my film. And he did it. He did it to an amazing effect. Um, anyways. Yeah. You, you take, you take, uh, Jeunet and then a story by Joss Whedon and you get Alien Resurrection. It's exactly what it is. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of Joss. It's a parody. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a parody of the Alien films. Um, absolutely. One thing, uh, just another aside, speaking of the troubled production, I was reading uh, early on, uh, Walter Hill and David Geiler wanted uh, Ridley Scott to direct Alien 3 and that was one of the only ways they could convince Fox to get funding for it. I was reading that online uh, yesterday. Whether that's true or not is yet to be seen, but I was just reading uh, an article about that. Yeah, that's Can you imagine how that would have been? Yeah. <laughs> well, in that article with Fincher, uh, uh, Fincher talks about uh, Ridley Scott coming to set for on Alien 3, and Fincher said he was in a suit and he had a cigar. He's like, how's it going, man? He said it was all filmed. Um, he's like, it's not going well. And he goes, that's... He goes, that's how it goes, man. It, it, he goes, it won't go well. Um, and he said it was all on camera, but uh, the, the, the kind of the, the, the scene or the, the behind-the-scenes clip with them was never released in any kind of documentary or anything. Um, so it, it's, it's fairly interesting. Um, but, you know, I, there's a lot of, like, uh, just even in terms of, like, characters um, in Alien 3. I mean, I know a lot of people said, oh, they had terrible character building but i actually don't think that's true i think that there were some great characters like um oh so real what's his name uh uh dylan um i thought dylan was amazing i thought clemens was great i thought um morse was awesome and so was um what's the guy who uh it wasn't me it wasn't Gal me Gallic. 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 yeah 
Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> See, and I will, I, I agree with you 100%, and I will go further and say that a lot of people's big complaint about Alien 3, Alien 3 is they say that you can't tell the difference between the characters. They're all bald-headed white guys running around in tunnels. And I'm like, you can totally tell the difference between because they're, they're acting, their characters shine through. Mm-hmm. That's... You know, I mean, far away shots you can't tell, but I don't think you're really supposed to. But uh, I mean, the, the when when you de- when you when the camera goes to the certain characters, you, they even if they have a couple seconds on screen, they're doing their their best to shine. Yeah. You know, I did. I thought they did a great job. I would agree. I would agree, and I think it, it seems like it's. I mean, it's a fast moving film. It's fast moving, but it's really quiet as well um i mean it, it is the antithesis of aliens um it oh, kind of pulls itself back and it doesn't really move fast until that last kind of third when they're trying to like devise a plan to get rid of this thing um i i, I just think it has a somber tone it almost feels like a funeral at the same time and it is it's like this one grand funeral to this not just to this character ripley but to this kind of this end of the line for these films um and this story yeah, that's 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 what I think Fincher was going for, and, yeah. I, and he pulled it off. Yeah, the soundtrack is. Oh yeah, the soundtrack is. Oh man, yes. Yeah. Best you soundtrack know, ever. It's the best soundtrack. And you oh. know, Go ahead. you had mentioned um, how how it impacted us and alien. I mean, granted, yeah, we were alien fans already because of Alien and Aliens. But then when Alien Three came out, you know, a lot. of there was a lot of haters and stuff, but I was one of those people that loved it. And Ed Ed Arant, he's also one of the admin in Raylan and Johnny Bolton. He did the same thing, um, and I was surprised and and happy to know that I wasn't the only one. But after watching Alien Three, my wardrobe completely changed to <laughs> the military surplus. Yeah, me too. Uh, big me too. baggy. Mil- oh yeah, that's yeah, awesome. I shaved my head and everything. And people would yep. say, oh, yep. you're going for that prisoner look, are you? I mean, I had got the poster. I started wearing, like, dark, like, clothing, like, all of that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. See? I'm, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, it's it's interesting, especially, I think, when you're in your teens like that, and you're kind of being torn apart by your, especially with boys, you're being torn apart by all these hormones going on in you, and you're kind of like sex crazy, but you're angsty and you're angry. Um, Alien 3 kind of taps into that anger a little bit. It kind of almost quells it or it gives it a place to kind of go. Um, and it kind of, it speaks to the kind of the rebel in you, you know, um, because Ripley kind of becomes that, like, she's like, fuck it. I'm shaving my head. Um, and then eventually she's like, when she has that speech, she's like the first time they heard about this, it was crew expendable. And then she goes, then they sent in Marines. They were expendable, too. And then she says, um, they don't care about us. That, that's not the word she uses. But she kind of groups herself in with these prisoners. Like, this is this is who I am now, you know. Um, I'm this expendable, bald-headed face. Um, and let's get them. Um, and I love that kind of call that she, it was like a, it was like a, a call to arms from Ripley. Um and there's and it's interesting too how they mirrored some of what happened in Aliens. Like even in and I, I posted that in the Wayland Utani Bulletin, the the images of Ripley kind of in front of all the the guys. She's kind of taking charge, or they want her to take charge. They're looking to her for answers. Um, and 
in Alien 3, what I love, too, is she comes down to Alien 3, and she's this object of, she comes down to Fury, um, and she's this object of kind of, she's maligned, people don't like her, they want to rape her, they, they want violence against her. Then it transitions to save us, help save us, you know? Yeah. I that think was it's, a great story arc. Yeah, yeah. I need to watch it again. I didn't watch it last night. I ended up watching Prometheus again just because I watched that video on people defending Prometheus. Like, oh, I'm going to watch it again. I think maybe I'll enjoy it. Like, oh, I can't watch this movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we, almost, we almost got through the podcast without talking about Prometheus. Almost. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, but no. Okay, I, real quick. One, one scene. Stay with me here. You remember the one scene when they're running through the corridors and they're trying to trap it and the one prisoner bumps into Morse yes. and he's got his scissors. <laughs> he says, don't hold him like that. Don't hold, hold him like that. that, you fucking idiot. Hold him like this. What? Why? Because you fucking kill somebody. You kill someone, you wanker. I, I love it. bust out laughing every time I see that scene. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> no, I got to watch. I got to watch the film again. I got to watch. I'll probably try and do that tonight. And then, uh, then there's the one when Morris bumps into the other guy and they just start laughing and like, ah, ha, ha, ha. And then the alien gets yeah. the one guy. That was funny. <laughs> yep, yeah. They said that one. There's one scene in the movie that I really, really hate. It really annoys me. And it's it's when she goes down into the basement, She's she's going to basically – by beast mm-hmm. and and she gives that speech that amber was talking about earlier you know you've been in my life so long i don't know anything else mm-hmm. and she has that that rod in her hand mm-hmm. and she's looking and she sees it in the yeah. corner yeah and then she prods it with the with the rod and it's just a pipe yeah you know filled with filled with bugs but that scene pisses me off because it's it's Clearly, yes. the costume. Yeah, it annoys me. It's clearly like, a costume. Is it, that what you said? It's it's the costume. It's clearly the the, the creature Woodruff costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then it was supposed to be just like a, a a trick of the light, I guess, or what she was hallucinating. I don't know, but it's it's they, it was never really explained in any way. Yeah, it. It's the one scene that really irks me when I see it, and I just like kind of turn my head the other way, mm-hmm. squint my eyes a little bit, and be like, "Yeah, it's just a pipe. It's just a pipe." <laughs> well, I always thought maybe because of the darkness, she did see it. It was there, but that by the time she struck it, had left, and it was sitting in front of a pipe or something. That's what I had always imagined. Mm. Okay. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. well, that's a that's a good way of defending it. <laughs> I mean, I hear you. I totally hear you. And I, I was like, well, wait a minute. The alien was just right there. I saw it. Um, <laughs> uh, but now uh, VHS days, you could watch it and you could be like, well, what is it? It really does look like the beast, but it could be pipes. You know? But now with the, the wool over your the eyes, and everything else, you're like, ah, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, now, Pete, we were talking about favorite scenes, so we didn't get to you. Favorite scene, or one of? Um, I I have several, and uh, I think the one that sticks out to me the most is the one that makes me the most uncomfortable. Uh, typical to David Fincher fashion, uh, just the careful use of 
imagery and gore combined mm-hmm. i'd have to say the autopsy scene with newt that just really, okay that really strikes a nerve with me and not in a bad way but you can just you can just see how uncomfortable ripley is watching and that just transitions over to the viewer like you just yeah. want to cringe yeah in, the camera in, in angles, the of, lighting. exactly in terms of all the movies the, the only other scene that that really hits me in my core like that scene does is in alien when the original chestburster scene the, oh yeah the original chestburster scene and the the autopsy scene are and the autopsy scene is not really gory at all it's just shot like you said um in yeah, such the sound a way that yeah yeah the squelches the bone saw when it hits the ribs oh man oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's a perfect perfect marriage of sound and and, and imagery where and it, it's really what what's really make it's really what makes that the alien films great is it's not about what you're seeing it's about what you're imagining you're seeing um yeah. because they don't show you very much at all um except for you know you see the pull apart and then the, that blood that trickles into the stream into the drain Ooh, that scene that's it's crazy and the way clemens picks up the the saw like like almost like it's poetry um it's very 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 interesting um, and, and he constantly looking at ripley to yeah. make sure that ripley is actually watching what he's doing because yeah. she's making him do this she better watch yeah you know it was done so well you're right it's a it's a great scene he did a great job he really pushed the envelope because that's that's a child on a table that's supposed to be a child and the fact that they were yeah. able to do that and get away with that at the time is pretty amazing but he well did it, it was it was originally a, a much lengthier scene with more gore and, and more involved but they toned it back studio wouldn't let it yeah well Everybody it was already an know. r-rated i don't actually i don't know how much um yeah i i think you're right peter there was something else to it as well um like they were going to show more of her chest cavity instead of just the little snap flash shot reveal. Yeah, which really what they ended up with was plenty enough for me. I don't, I don't, I didn't need to see the rest of it, to be sure. Yeah, it worked. Oh, but it we were worked. talking about um, earlier, like, uh, and uh, Bill, you said what you watch is like the, 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 uh, the. Sorry, my podcast. I, I think about so much. It's, I lose my train of thought so quickly. But the not the, <laughs> not the chestburster scene, but not with the dog, but the ox in the uh, the director's cut. It was not a director's cut, but the the other cut. Ah, uh, the the Assembly. queen hugger. I know where you're going. Well, I, I have a problem with. I had a problem with um, the the dogburster scene in in kind of the normal cut because um, you the thing bursts out of the dog and it's huge. It's like, there's no way that thing could have fit in there. Um, they kind of start changing the, the look of, of the chest burster. And it's weird to me. And I was like, why are you guys doing this? Like, just make it a normal chest burster and then make it grow. Um, it just, that scene, I just, it didn't, the cutting didn't work. I mean, actually part of the cuts worked until the blood splattered, which was great. And then it started to kind of rise out of the dog and it was this enormous thing. I was like, no, this doesn't quite kind of fit for me. Um, it kind of took me out of it a little bit. But I think I'm not an average film go film viewer. Um, I, I you know I went to film school. I think about these things. I think about behind the scenes things all the time. So I'm going to notice that. So I, it's probably not a big deal to kind of the layman, you know. 
Well, I think yeah. that had a lot to do with what ADI at the time was slated to do for the scripts that they had. And I think that they used a prop that was originally for the uh, ox. Mm-hmm. And yes. they didn't bother making another prop for the dog. Um, I guess that's what it is. That's 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 what I'm going with. Uh, but yeah, they, there's also the they, they introduced a lot in Alien Three that hadn't been introduced before. That's the taking on the characteristics of the host, the uh, the queen hugger, um, the you actually see the alien eat. You know. Yes. Or, or you hear him eating the the victims. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there's a lo- there's a lot of stuff that that was introduced that uh, that I think is is still obviously being used um, in a film that will remain nameless. <laughs> but uh, the the whole taking <laughs> on the characteristics of the of the host thing that that's it's still being used today. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, although the like you just in terms of the uh, the 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 dog alien being bipedal, uh, quadruped. Quadruped. Sorry, I don't. Yeah. Is that what you Hello. mean? Hello. Yeah, I just uh, got a new guitar. I'll be right back. <laughs> UPS is here. I'll be right nice. back, guys. Oh yes, we get to say whatever we want now. <laughs> that Peter, we hate him. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, the the uh, the whole quadruped. Well, I mean, okay, going back to the, the special effects with ADI and and the the dog burster and all that stuff. Um, they they were trying, they were trying new new and different things because they were doing the taking on the characteristics of the host thing, and. They they were using the uh, that that little mini greyhound. You, I, I'm sure you've seen that. They they were putting prosthetics. Yes. On the, I have seen yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were trying. They they were they were trying to to do their best with with what they had at their disposal at the time. I mean, I, I, what do you like more? Would you like the the ox burster scene or you like the dog burster scene? Me or Peter. Both is. Um, well, I would say the dog burster scene is more realistic up until it actually comes out of it. Um, the ox just, just looks terribly fake to me. Yeah. Um, As a dog lover, I have to say I like the ox burster scene. <laughs> I'm a dog lover. I just, hey. just hate seeing that dog struggle. I had a Rottweiler when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm a dog lover too, but screw that dog. What was the dog's name? Do you remember the dog's name? Uh, uh, oh, Sparky. Oh. No. No, it's not. It's Spike. 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 Yeah. It was Sparky. Yes. Uh, it was Sparky on the uh, trading cards. Yeah. Oh, it was. Yep, on the Alien uh, Legends trading cards, it was uh, Sparky. Sparky? Mm-hmm. They must. That just must have been an error. They must not. They must have just guessed. Sparky. Yeah, because everybody does their research all the time, JM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But I, do you feel like? Okay, uh, and this obviously is so related to Alien Three. What are your feelings, Bill, about uh, Bloomcamp 
kind of skirting it and saying, hey, let's let's give an alternate an alternate timeline for this and let's wake Ripley and Newt and Hicks up. What do you think? Well, how do you feel actually, about that? I was hoping you'd ask that question, actually. Okay. All right. Now, being of a, a comic book um, background, you know, reading comic books and stuff, there's a, a Marvel comic book called um, What If? And basically what it is is they take essential stories of existing comic book lore and put a twist on the story and say, what if, you know, and then they'll take the story arc and, and bring it in a different direction. So in the age of reboots and remakes and freaking rehashes and everything else, why not what ifs? Why not? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get it. A lot of people don't like Alien 3. I'm one of the people that do. Um, I'm perfectly okay with Blomkamp uh, disregarding it and, and making a sequel to Aliens. I'd prefer him do that than, than, uh, than try to put squeeze in some between Aliens, Alien 3 excursion, especially the fact that the actors have aged. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm perfectly okay with it because JM and Peter, at the end of the day, and everybody listening, at the end of the day, you as a dirty word now is is uh, canon. I hate it. Oh, I hate God. the word because <laughs> because as Alien fans, I mean, Alien Resurrection, you all can agree it's not canon. To yeah. me, it's not just because it's made no. doesn't mean it's canon. Mm-hmm. Prometheus to me is hardly canon. <laughs> so <laughs> so I have. What I feel like watching at the time, that's my canon. It's mm-hmm. it's what I it's it's what I want it to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. So if I could still in my ritualistic viewings of the alien movies, I could still watch Alien Three and I still enjoy it as much as I did when I first saw it. Yeah. And I, I could still watch it at home. And I mean, granted, with the box sets and and I guess that's what these corporate uh, stuff shirts are worried about when they make the box sets. How are they going to sell it? But as an alien fan, I can get behind Blomkamp because he is a very artistic director and he has a style and he knows how to put it onto film. And I would love to see uh, his renderings of an alien film. Mm-hmm. And he's also a big Giger fan. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would I, love. I mean, personally, I, I would agree. I, I'm all for it. As much as I do love Alien Three, I love it. And you're right. I mean, it's still there. It, it exists. We can watch it. It doesn't go away. Um, the box set thing will be interesting to see how they how they package it. Um, but uh, I, and my only my only thing with Bloom Camp is is Alien Three had a lot of heart. There's a lot of emotion in that film. There's a lot of emotion in Aliens. There's a lot of emotion in Alien. Um, their films that aren't just action-packed, kick-ass, let's shoot them up. They're films with, about family. They're films about survival. They're films about brotherhood, about sisterhood, about um, being a team, about being survivors. There's so much going on there. Um, Balloon Camp needs to get that right. Um, he needs to make sure the film has heart um, because it can't just be all tech. It can't be all cool tech. Um, and I... I the film we shall not name, I, like I said, I watched it last night um, based off the video. Um, and I'm only referencing this just so because we're talking about the situation. 
Um, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go into this film again based off kind of this refresh, this different way of looking at things. Because I thought about, oh, yeah, this kind of makes sense. Let me let me see if I can try it again. Um, and at the end of it, I thought I thought this film was actually I can't I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. It's almost unwatchable. Um, it's that bad. Um, and but part of it is it, it lacks heart. And that heart comes from being believable. The heart comes from being having living, breathing, existing characters. Um, and I think that's what Chappie struggled with a little bit. Um, was It was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, and the, that rap duo, I can't remember their names or the name of the group, who was in Chappie. Um, they brought a lot of heart. the ant word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they had some heart for sure. It, it was funny, but uh, it lacked some kind of emotional, deep gravitas that I really wanted. Um, and that's going to be important for me in terms of Bloom Camp uh, getting an alien film right. Um, because a lot of times you have, and I think uh, Ridley Scott struggles with this himself. I think you have these people who are visionaries um, visually, um, but when it comes to story, they have a, a harder time. Um, they need good storytellers to help them. Um, yeah, Ridley Scott is not a storyteller. He's just not. Well, I think he's a visual storyteller. Um he can he can take an existing story and he can he can equate it to film, but when it comes to original taking stories. his own, I yeah he he doesn't have that ability. Yeah, I I I admire the man. I mean, I, I really do. I think I've told you guys before. I was to name my firstborn son Ridley. Like I love the guy. Yeah. I think he's a phenomenal artist, but storyteller. That's his downfall. That's where he went wrong, I think, in Prometheus. He stepped too much into the area of trying to tell a story and having the storytellers tell his story. And he just needed to, to just do his job as director. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, did you see um, The Martian? I did. What would you think? I did. I'm, I'm, I'm not really that impressed with it. Um, I don't know why it's getting the acclaim that it is. It, uh, that... That whole thing is like a – it's a weird situation for me because on one hand, I'm glad he's getting some acclaim because he's he's always been skirted. Mm-hmm. You know, Blade Blade Runner was was pretty much looked over because of the different films that, that came out at the time. It, it dwarfed it, you know, E.T. and and uh, a couple other things. But it, it, Blade Runner was like – nobody even heard of it when it came out. Mm-hmm. And um, – and he was just kind of always, when his films came out, there was other movies that came out at the same time that just basically swept, you know, his, his films were swept under the rug. So it's nice to see him finally getting some acclaim. But at the same time, all I see when I watch his films now is an artist that has become part of the machine. He just makes movies now, and he doesn't put his heart in it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's to, to him, it's just, you know this is your job, I'm doing the job, I'm getting it done, and next. Yeah, That's what I, I felt like Prometheus was, and at the same time, he used the good standings of of Alien to sell this piece of shit, and um, I said that with heart, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he used the good standings of Alien to, to springboard Prometheus, and he, he was trying to tell his own story and it's just like what the fuck he did like and then at one point he's just like fuck it just get it done yeah and that's what he did he just he just put it on on the shelf to sell and that's 
and it's just real smack in the, in the face to all of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we've covered that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I, 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 I'm trying to strike a balance between because uh, uh, I, I, I genuinely, and I know this is an Alien 3 episode, but I, at the same time, we're fans, we're gonna, our, our conversations are gonna kind of morph and grow, and we're gonna retread things. That's just how it happens. And But I'm trying to be sensitive to people who are like, oh, you guys just bashed, because there's a lot of people who love Prometheus. Um, and I really, again, tried to look at it last night with a fresh eye. Like, okay, let's go into this. Um, uh, because well, there's a lot of people that really bash Alien 3, too. Let's, that's let's true. Bring it back, that's you know? true. You're right. You're right. And we, we live with that. Um, and we've lived with that for 20, 20 whatever years. Um, but uh, I, and I think like, it's, for me, it's akin to um, when the prequels came out. And so when uh, uh, the Phantom Menace came out, it, I was 23 and I saw it seven times in the theater. Um, yes, I did. And uh, tr- each time trying to convince myself that I really love this film. Or I wanted to love it. I wanted to love it. I really did. I really, really did. I saw Prometheus three times in the in the theater. I wanted to love it. I saw it twice, regular, and then once. The last time was 3D, um, and the 3D did nothing for it. Um, but I just and it's it's one of those things where you really want to love something, especially if it's a part of a, a lore or a mythology that's close to your heart, and you can't. And you try, and you can't. And you try again, and you think about it again. Well, I mean, I mean, and eventually, like with me in the prequels, you just gotta let it go. Um, and so if anybody ever talks to him, I said, yeah, that's expanded universe. That's very interesting. <laughs> I don't really even engage it. Um, and I kind of at that point with Prometheus, but I think, um, to kind of spin this positively, I think it seems like, um, and we, we talked a little bit about this in the episode that we recorded that we have to re-record yesterday, uh, yesterday. Um, but it seems like, um, Fox, like we don't really know what to expect with, uh, Covenant. Um, it's changed a lot. It's changed titles. It's changed direction in terms of story. We've heard a lot of rumors, which we'll go into when we re-record. Um, but I feel like that's where I want to be with this film. I don't know what to expect. Um, I don't want a sequel to Prometheus. I'm not interested in a sequel to Prometheus. And I think Fox, uh, rightly so, has said, okay, we need to change gears. We've watched Star Wars uh, come out. And it was a really fun film, and people reacted really well to it, and it's generally thought of really well. Um, I had some issues with the, with Star Wars, but at the same time, I really loved the film with uh, The Force Awakens. Um, and I think Fox is really probably doing the right thing right now, so time will tell. Yeah, they're walking, they're walking a line, and obviously they can't uh, discard Prometheus entirely, but I think that they, they heard the fans, they heard the critics... And uh, they're doing their best to to right the ship, and um, we'll see. I yeah. mean, you know, you and I, we we've all discussed this before. Which, uh, I'm I'm reading nothing about it. I'm not. I'm avoiding all spoilers. I'm walking into this one with absolutely no expectations because I just don't want to get crushed. Yeah. You know, so you I have no expectations. What's that? Will you watch the trailers. Will I? Yeah. I, I will not actively seek to, but sure, I, I can't avoid it, you know, yeah, yeah. being we're, we're in the groups that we're in and everything else. It's, it's, it's unavoidable. I will yeah. see it. Um, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Interesting. Well, it's, it's really an exciting time though. 
whether it's good or bad, I'm hopeful. I really am a hopeful fan that I believe that uh, Covenant is going to be the film that we really wanted and want to see. I really believe that. Um, but I'm an optimist by nature. Um, but I'm, regardless of whether it's good or bad, this is an exciting time, that build up, that momentum, um, especially um, with the idea that, you know, we have Alien Day coming up, uh, 426. Um, there's a lot of things happening for the fans, um, kind of hosted by Fox and by NECA. There's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of things to be excited about. And uh, I love the build up to a film like this. Um, the build up to Prometheus was amazing. It was such a fun time. Um, uh, we, you want the payoff to be good too. But despite that, the fun I had was in discussions, the boards, the groups, um, hearing tidbits, seeing those trailers, seeing the, 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 the ad campaign for Prometheus was really, really exciting to me and for me. And, uh, one of the best ad campaigns I'd ever seen or promotional campaigns for a film I've ever seen. Um, I'll agree with you there. I think it was the best online marketing campaign to date. Yeah. And they need to tap back into that. Um, but they need to make sure that the, the campaign matches the film. Um, but who knows, they might go for a quieter, uh, you know, a quieter approach, but at the same time, there has stuff that has leaked today. The, uh, there's leaked images of the covenant ship on a planet. Um, that's in somewhere in Australia that I've seen, because um, I don't feel like it's spoiler. I mean, we know it's about a ship, and it's, so I, I feel like okay, I'll, I'll look at this. Um, but yeah, it's an exciting time, and especially as more comes out, the Whalen Utani Bulletin's going to be more active, and people are going to be talking more. So I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm feeding off your excitement a little bit. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I still, I'm still. <laughs> I'm still, I, I, I don't want any expectations. I have none I walking you. into this one. I hear you. You know, I just don't want to be crushed again. You know, the whole, whole experience was just so, I, I got to give you credit, man. Like, you watch it three times in a theater. I don't even know how you were able to do that. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> well, it was like Elysium. I saw Elysium the first time in the theater, and I was like, okay, this is this is dumb. Okay, this part's really stupid. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go see it again. We'll see. Um, and then I walked out of it the second time angry as fuck because um, the story was so dumb. Um, and it was, you know, Fern Gully. It was white man saves the day. White man shall sacrifice himself for ethnicities because I'm the only one that can save you. I, it was just white man's guilt. It was Avatar, that same story over and over and over and over. But I didn't really tap into that until the second viewing. Now, Prometheus, um, I think there's the excitement of seeing an alien film in a theater. There's also the excitement of hearing the crowd talk, because when I was in the theater watching Prometheus, I, at the end and the, the deacon comes out and all that stuff, there's I, and I've mentioned this before on one of our episodes, one of the guys was saying, who's in the theater with his girlfriend or whatever, he was like, is that an alien? It's like, that's an alien. Is this an alien movie? He didn't know. And it was a neat moment um, that you have these kind of people who are going to see this movie that they're excited about, but they have no idea what they're seeing, you know? And then they kind of connect the dots. And I go for to the theater to hear those kinds of comments, to experience a film like that, or just films in general with crowds. Um, because for me, that's part of the excitement. Um, but I'm also passionately... Um, critical too and I think I, I tend to do that with movies that I love or things that I love I, I become passionately critical um, but I think people get tired of hearing that from me too so and I get you, you, you want you want me to tell you if I mean you I, I feel like you really want to 
hear something in terms of excitement from me. No, no, about that's fine. The, I don't. New, I, no, I don't. I, I have this. I'm excited about this, and and it's something. It's 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 been an Easter egg for a long time, and it's there's never been any real realization to connect the 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 two, but I'm hoping that Covenant will somehow connect Blade Runner the Blade Runner universe to the alien universe. Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. There's a writer involved in both. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, Michael Green is working with Hampton Fancher on Blade Runner two. Okay. And Ridley Scott is producing Blade Runner two and Ridley Scott is directing alien, uh, Covenant. Covenant. Yeah. So is this where we finally see, uh, the realization of the the universe be a sharing sharing yeah. universe of the two would be interesting. I think I think so. I yeah. think that there's there's I think something's going to happen. Yeah, and you know, uh, and that's cool. That's a cool anecdotal thing. Like I like that connection myself. But for me, story, 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 character, character, character. I want to go back and I want to go in, in, into Alien Covenant, and I want to see. A version of Lambert. And I don't need to see Lambert, but I want to see someone who b- makes me believe in Lambert, or believe in whoever Catherine Waterston is going to be playing, or whoever Billy Crudup is going to be playing. I want to believe them. Um, I don't want this slick. Like I like. I don't know if you've seen um, the Europa Report. Have you seen that? I started to watch it. I, I, oh, I, I didn't watch it. Watch it. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's on awesome. Netflix. It's like it if, if Prometheus was was written well. It's the Europa Report. It's a very similar story, actually. Um, scientists on, a, on uh, I think it's the Europa is a moon of Saturn, I think, or something like that. Um, and they're exploring this area. Um, and there might be life in this area. It's very interesting. But they're scientists, they're, they're geologists, they're biologists, and it's really written, written well. Um, it's a good ride. And also, check out The Last Days, Last Days on Mars. Brilliant. Last Days on Mars is awesome. Oh brilliant movie so so good um i just felt like man these are the writers they need to get for an alien film um but yeah we should probably wrap it up because it's been about an hour and 43 minutes and i gotta work in a little while so excuses excuses i like (laughs) listening to you guys talk (laughs) yeah i didn't i tried not to pull guard the mic too much this time peter i did that for you No, no, it's, I'm just being silly, just joshing, yeah. Um, but I you guys, you guys know. Uh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. You guys no, I know. Uh, I appreciate you guys inviting me on again, and um, it was really nice to hear Amber talk finally. Yeah. I'm sorry that she got cut off. But, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it was great. So thank you, Amber. I know you're gonna be listening to this. Thank you for coming on and being that lone voice in the boys' club. Um. But yeah, thanks, Bill. Thanks for coming on. I know you worked all day and then you commuted, and thanks for taking the time out. Uh, I know you got a busy schedule. Congratulations again on your marriage. That's so awesome. Thank you, brother. Thanks. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, happy times. Yeah, I think that's a wrap, and we'll try and get this up soon. Awesome, guys. Okay. Take care. We'll talk soon.